You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Corinthians chapter number three, we'll begin reading in verse number nine. The Bible says, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, Wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." Amen. And we will, uh, this morning, we'll be in 1 Corinthians 3. We're talking about building. Uh, We took some time this year on Sunday mornings to talk about the rock. Upon this rock, Jesus said. But then he goes on to say, I will build my church. I want to talk to us about building. I want to ask you this morning, uh, what are you building? And we'll see what the Bible says about what we should be building and how we should be building and also that we should be building something. So the answer today should not be, oh, I'm not building anything, because God has called us to build something for Him. And so we'll look at that this morning. Lord, we love you. I pray you'd speak to our hearts, and I thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for uh, the rights. I thank you for them joining the church this morning. I thank you for Lawson getting baptized. I thank you for the guests that are here. I thank you for our faithful church members. I think of those uh, who cannot be in this service because of uh, health or sickness or uh, being in the hospital or because of a, a condition that they have. I pray that you'd minister to them as they are home uh, listening by way of radio or uh, watching on the uh, online service. I pray that you'd give them a special blessing and I pray that you'd minister to us as we look at your uh, precious, holy, and powerful word uh, in these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want you to notice in this chapter, by way of introduction, as we get into the idea or the subject of building, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, by way of introduction in verse number one, he says that, I wanted to say some things to you, but I couldn't say them because you couldn't handle them. Ouch. You say, well, do you think that's true today? Do you think there are some Christians that just can't handle the meat of the word? Do you think there are some Christians that just can't handle the truth? I say to that, absolutely. I think that's always been the case, but I think now, I think more than ever, I think we are seeing Christians that cannot handle the truth. And I think there's a couple reasons. One is I think because we have stopped reading the Bible, we've gotten away from a steady diet of the word of God ourselves. And so when somebody says something that's from the Bible, we are just, we're blown away like we had never heard that before. Well, I got news for you. This is nothing new. This is the Bible. Uh, And it's been around a long time. 
But I think another reason, I think for many people in 2022, I think a lot of Christians have gotten out of church. I think a lot of Christians have gotten out of the habit. And I know there's virtual and I know there's online. And by the way, we did that. And we did drive-ins and we did all those things. But I believe it's God's plan for his people to be in church. And I believe it's in church where we have the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. It's where we get around other believers that are also uh, have a hunger and have a desire for the things of God. And we can help each other. So Paul is writing verse one. He says, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, there's nothing wrong with babies. I thank the Lord for babies. We've got a nursery that's full of them right now. I thank the Lord for that. But I am so glad that we're not having to go around in the auditorium to adults and we're not having to hand out pacifiers. I'm glad for that. I'm glad we're not having to go around to the adults and give everybody bottles and, 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 and pat you on the back and it's going to be okay. You know, I'm glad we don't have to do that. At least not that I'm aware of. Some of you uh, wives maybe feel like you have to have your husband. No, 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 of course not. But there's nothing wrong with babies. But the problem is when you stay a baby. You see, in your Christian life, you become born again. You become a child of God and you start out as a baby in Christ. But the goal is not to stay a baby. The goal is to grow. The goal is to mature. Second Peter says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. But Paul says, there's some things that I wanted to write unto you. Verse number uh, one, I wanted to speak unto you as unto spiritual, but I had to speak unto you as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Verse two, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it neither yet now are ye able. That is a very, very diplomatic way of saying you can't handle the truth. That's what Paul says. He says you can't handle it. He said you should be able to handle it, but you're still babies in Christ. I can't even give you the meat of the word because I'm still giving you a a spiritual bottle, so to speak. I'm having to give you the milk. Verse number one and two, we see a comparison Paul gives of spiritual and carnal. Someone who is spiritually mature or someone who is spiritually immature. And I want to ask you by way of introduction, I don't know, I don't know the answer, but you know. But which one would you be this morning? I hope we'd have some folks that would say, I have matured. I have grown in the Christian life. I can handle the truth. I can handle it when somebody comes to me and says, hey, that's not right. And they show me what the Bible says and I accept it. And I don't get my feelings hurt. And I don't get all mad. And I don't get all bent out of shape. I have some spiritual maturity. That's the goal. But then notice, he says in verse number four, he says, while one saith, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? He says, some of you are carnal, he says, because you're more connected to a person than you are to Jesus Christ. Now, friend, I got news for you here, okay? I want to tell you, I hope and pray that you love your pastor. I know that sounds selfish because I am your pastor, but I hope you love your pastor. Uh, If you don't, at least pretend to love me, you know? 
I hope you love our assistant pastor, Brother Dan. I thank the Lord for Brother Dan. God has uh, brought him here, and for six years, he has been a blessing. He's been a help teaching Sunday school and preaching in the school and uh, a chaplain for the uh, sheriff's department, all those things. I hope you love Brother Dan. I hope you love Brother Nathan, our youth pastor. This September will be seven years that he and Miss Grace have been here, and he is an amazing a youth pastor and song leader. And I thank the Lord for the, for the pastors God has given us. But I want to tell you something. If the day ever comes that I'm not your pastor, and by the way, I have plans to stay and torment you for a long, long time. So don't get excited. Don't think I'm hinting that I'm leaving because I'm not, I'm staying. But if the day comes that I'm not your pastor, or if the day comes that Brother Dan is not your Sunday school teacher, or he's not the uh, assistant pastor, or Brother Nathan's not the youth pastor, can I tell you, you ought to be so grounded in Jesus Christ that you don't skip a beat. You say, oh, I don't know how I could handle it. I'll tell you exactly how. You get grounded on Jesus, and you get grounded in the Word of God, and you thank God for the people that are in your life. And I thank the Lord for the pastors and youth pastors and teachers and people I've had in my life. But if I'm connected to them and they're my only connection to Christ and to the Bible and they're my only connection to spirituality, I'm in trouble because that's a spiritual babe in Christ. Just as a baby has to have the mother or the baby cannot survive. Can I tell you, as a Christian, you have got to get connected to Jesus Christ and not get connected just to people. You've seen it before. Somebody leaves the church and sometimes other people leave. You know why? Because that was their connection. That was the reason why they were in church. It wasn't for God. It wasn't for the preaching. It wasn't for the teaching. It wasn't for the truth. It was for a person. And so Paul says, because of that, he said, you're carnal. Notice verse number three. He says, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, so, Pastor, I, I want to know, am I spiritual or am I carnal? Well, let me ask you this. Are you more connected to people or are you more connected to Christ? That'll give you a hint. How about this? In your life, are there envyings and are there strifes and are there divisions? Is everything an issue in your life and you're always mad about something and you're always angry at somebody and you're always fighting with somebody? That's a good evidence. That's a good indication that in your Christian life, you are still carnal. You need to grow. You need to mature. You need to realize that you don't always have to be the one that's baby. You don't always have to be the one that's pampered. You say, oh, pastor, I can't believe you're saying that. You know what kind of society we live in? Yeah, I know exactly what kind we live in. We live in a society that everybody wants to be baby and everybody wants to be pampered. And that's why we're in this condition in our churches in the United States of America because nobody wants to grow up. Nobody wants to be more like Jesus. Nobody wants to uh, uh, get grounded in the word of God. Everybody just wants to feel good. But Paul's, we're going somewhere, so hang on. But this is his introduction. But then he says this, not only about the spiritual and carnal, not only the meat and the milk, and not only about Paul and Apollos and the personalities, but then he talks about planting and watering. Notice with me verse number six. Paul says, I have planted and Apollos watered. But it wasn't us that brought forth the fruit. What does he say? It is God that gave the increase. And friend, I want to tell you, we need you today. We need you to sign up for the planting committee. 
We need you not planting seeds of flowers and seeds of grass, but we need you to plant some seeds of the gospel. We need you to plant some seeds of prayer. We need you to plant some seeds of righteousness and holiness and godliness and to plant some seeds of faith. We need some planting. But can I tell you, we also need some watering. We need some people signed up on the watering committee that after those seeds are planted, you don't leave them there, but you go back and you water them and you encourage people and you help people and you love people and you serve people and you give of yourself to the Lord. We need some planting. We need some watering. But at the end of the day, anything good in our lives is all because of God. It is God that gives the increase. It is God that gives the blessing. From this introduction, Paul transitions from planting and, and farming to building. Notice with me verse number nine. He says, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. That's, that's the garden. He said, ye are God's husbandry and ye are God's building. Did you know that God is not only building his church, but God is building you and God is building me. You say, oh, good, I'm glad God's doing it. That means I don't have to do anything. No, 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 you missed it. Notice verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. God has given us some tools, and God has given us some materials, and God has put us to work in building our lives, in building our testimony, in building our home, and building a ministry. God has given us the, the things we need to build something for His honor and for His glory. I want to ask you this morning, what are you building? If we were to go around the room and we were just, I'm not talking about are you building a shed or are you building a barn or are you building a house or a garage or I'm, are you building a playhouse? I'm just asking you spiritually, what are you building today? And if your answer is, I'm not building, that's a problem because God has given us something to do. God has given us something to build. The Bible says that we should be laborers and we ought to be laborers together with God. But I wonder, what are you building? I remember when I was a boy, uh, the first building I really remember seeing close up was an addition that my parents put onto their house. And I don't remember I don't remember the foundation part. I just remember uh, seeing the, the man that was there and he was putting up the, the studs and putting up the walls and kind of getting everything set. I remember more the finished part, but I could picture him with his tool belt and I could picture him there with his hammer and nails and he was going to town. And I remember thinking that was really neat to get to see that. But then when I was in college, I came home from college for the summer and uh, I got to see that summer, I got to see an addition being built at our church where my dad was the pastor. And it was a huge addition. I mean, it was almost twice the size of the existing building. And I remember when they brought the big tractors in and they started digging uh, for the basement. And I remember thinking, oh, they're, they're moving now. Oh, this is going to be no time. And that building's going to be up. I thought they forgot about it. Now, they were out there every day. But can I tell you, it took a long time. I was like, what are they doing down there in the ground? It's just like they kept digging and they kept digging and they kept doing stuff. And then I realized, oh, there's a lot involved in that foundation. There's a lot of concrete that has to go down in there. There's a lot of electrical that has to be run. There's a lot of plumbing. Uh, there's, there's the footers. There's the, uh, the, the supports. There's everything that has to be laid just right. And once the foundation was laid, well, I tell you, it was amazing. It was, it was amazing how quickly that building went up. 
Well, can I tell you, God wants us to build. But here's the good news. He's already provided the foundation. And as I ask you, what are you building? I want to give you uh, number two, not only the introduction, but number two, the instructions for building. Notice verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad we've got a foundation worth building on? Aren't you glad we have a foundation that will, will withstand the storms of life and withstand the attacks of this world? I'm glad we have a foundation. But notice verse number 10, the end of the verse, it says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. You know what that means? It means you got to do it right. Let him take heed. Let him pay attention to how he builds. It matters how you build. It matters what you use. How many of you know when you're building, it's important that you have the right tools? The right tools make a big difference. And can I tell you, as we're building for the Lord, we better make sure we've got the right tools. I'll tell you what tools we need. We need the tools of prayer. We need the tools of the Word of God. We need the tools of the church. We need the tools of the family. We need the, the, the tools of faith. We need the tools of compassion. We need the right tools. And I tell you, you also got to have the right materials. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, then notice the next three options, wood, hay, and stubble. Can I, and let me just throw this out there. Did you know that there are three of those materials that are going to be very expensive? They're going to cost you a lot of money if you're building a life for God. The gold and the silver and the precious stone, that's going to cost you something. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some commitment. It's going to take a, a, a dedication to things of God. But the wood, hay, and stubble, that's cheap. That doesn't cost you anything. But which materials would you like to have a life built out of? I'd like to have the gold, silver, and precious stone. We'll see in a minute why. But we see the, the right tools, the right materials. How about this? you got to have the right plans. I, I was not here, obviously, when this building was built. This building was built about the time I was born, 1979, 1980. Some of you in this room, maybe you remember when this building was built. Brother Perry, I'm sure you and others, you remember it. But could you imagine if you would have come in this auditorium and the builders were in here and the foundation was laid and they were just getting things ready? Can you imagine coming into this building and saying, hey, how big is it going to be? And the builder said, we have no idea. And they, you said, well, how, how tall is the ceiling? We don't know. Well, 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 well how wide is it? Well, we don't know. We're just going to kind of see how it goes. We're just going to build some today and just kind of, you know, kind of just play it by ear. Can I tell you, I promise you there were some blueprints. I promise you there were some plans. I promise you they had a goal and a plan, and this is the way it's going to be with a building. You know what's so sad is sometimes we live our lives so carelessly. We don't have a plan for life. We don't have a plan for marriage. We don't have a plan for our children. We don't have a plan for our schedule. We don't have a plan for our money. We don't have a plan for our time. We just live, well, whatever happens, happens. God's people need to have a plan. We need to get in the Word of God and get the blueprints for building a life that brings glory to God. Notice what it says in verse number um, 10. It says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. That word master builder is the idea of an architect. 
Can I tell you, you've got to have some wisdom. You've got to have some discernment from God and how to build your life and how to build your home and how to build a family and how to build a testimony and how to build your witness and how to build your faith. You must have a plan. I see the instructions for building. It's so important that we build in the right way. It's so important that we use wisdom and the right tools and the right foundation and the right materials. And then it's so important that we realize that with building comes work. Notice what it says in verse 9, we are laborers together. Verse 13, every man's work. Verse 14, if any man's work. Verse 15, if any man's work. I know some people think that that's a cuss word in 2022. People don't like to talk about work. Now, we like to talk about a job, right? We like to talk about a salary. We like to talk about benefits. We like to talk about all the, the free stuff. But can I remind you that the Christian life is work? Now, it's not work to become a Christian because that's a gift. Jesus Christ did all the work. He paid the price. He hung on the cross and said, it is finished. Getting saved, that's easy. But living for God and building a life for God, that's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some blood, sweat, and tears. I see not only the introduction to building, the instructions for building, but number three, I see the investment in building. I don't have to ask this because anybody in here that has built anything recently, you can stand and you can raise your hand and say, building costs a lot of money. Building is expensive. But you know, when you start and you've got the foundation, by that time, hopefully you've already figured out, hey, we're going to finish this thing. Hey, we, we, we've gone this far and we're not going to stop now. And I want to tell you in the Christian life, you've been saved by the grace of God and you have Jesus Christ as your foundation. Why would you want to quit now? Why would you want to stop now? Why would you want to throw in the towel now? Can you imagine if we were to, 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 to drive down the road and we were to find a beautiful lot and we see a, a beautiful a home that is being built and the foundation is laid and then the materials are there. The money's there. Everything's there, but somebody stopped building. We'd say that's a waste. Why don't they finish what they started? I want to encourage you this morning. God started something in you. God saved you, and God has given you a, a purpose for living, and God has given you a, a reason to do something, and God's given you uh, the opportunity to build something. Well, why not make the most of it? Why not build something for God's honor and His glory, it's going to take some investment. It's going to take, I, I've, I've already said one bad word in church. I said the word work. I'm going to say another bad word. A lot of you don't like this word, and, and a lot of us don't like this word, but it's the word, I know we're online. I know, I know we're live streaming, but I'm going to say it. It's the word patience. That's a bad word. Patience. Who's got time for that, Right? Patience, we don't want to wait on anything. We want it right now. We want it yesterday, as a matter of fact. But can I tell you, God is not in a hurry like you are. God's not in a hurry like I am. As a matter of fact, God's timing is perfect. And as you're over here building, and you're working away, you're trying to build a Christian home, and you're trying to build a godly life, and you're trying to build a, a, a godly marriage, and you're over here, and you're struggling, and you look over at the other side and there's somebody who doesn't know Christ. 
There's somebody living it up, partying, having a good time, doing whatever they want, and it looks like things are going better for them, and you want to get in a hurry. You want to cut corners. You want to say, I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to pray. I don't need to do it God's way. I'll do it my own way. I got news for you. That's not going to have a happy ending. It is not going to turn out when you try to take matters in your own hands. You must do it God's way. God knows. You say, how does God know about my life? Because he created you. Because he not only created you, but he loves you. He cares about you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the problems you face. He knows the difficulties. And God has promised that he will work all things together for good to them that love him and to them who are the called according to his purpose. It takes time. It takes patience. I'll, I'll just say this quickly. I, I need to hurry because uh, we, uh, we were talking about patience, but I need to hurry. But we have a, a, a ministry here out of Victory Baptist Church now. It's called Victory Christian Academy. You know, that was a ministry that we had prayed for. That was a ministry that I had ideas and I had thought, well, maybe we could do this and maybe we could do this. And wouldn't this be great? But I'm sure glad we waited on the Lord. I'm sure glad that we didn't jump into something that was our idea. I'm glad that we waited for God's plan to be fulfilled. And can I tell you, God wants to do that in you and God wants to do that in me, but it takes some time. It takes some patience. It takes some money. It takes some hard work. You got to be willing to pay the price to build something that's going to last for God's glory. I'll give you next number five, excuse me, number four, the inspection of the building. I've never, I personally have never had to, I've never built something that had to be inspected. Um, you say, why? Because if I built it, it wouldn't pass inspection. I'll promise you that. But I was, my wife and I, we were there in California years ago when the uh, new auditorium was built where Pastor Treber, he'll be here in September and many of you have met him or you know of him. He's on our radio station. He's an amazing man, wonderful man. But North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, they built a, a new auditorium. We got there about the time that it was almost done. So we weren't there for the entire time of it, but for some of the end. They got in and it was a beautiful 3,000 seat auditorium. Beautiful, unbelievable. Uh, the project started, I believe it started at $4 million, And then before it ever started, before the building ever started, it was $8 million. By the time it was all said and done, I think it was $14 million. Uh, Has anybody uh, uh, wanted to ask recently why we're having an early service at Victory Baptist Church? It's for that reason right there, so we don't have to build a new auditorium. But can I tell you, that project got done. It was beautiful. We went in, we had a couple services. We got the, the, the temporary use permit, conditional use permit. And then the inspector came back in and he said, no more. You can't meet in this auditorium. Because in California, you've got the threat of earthquakes or the possibility of earthquakes. And there were not expansion joints in that building that we had no idea were even supposed to be there. The architects and everybody had gone through and we thought everything was fine. And so for about a year, that brand new, beautiful auditorium sat empty. Nobody could go in. Nobody could use it. You know why? Because it didn't pass an inspection. Now, I want to tell you, I would disagree with that inspector, and I would disagree with the way all that happened for sure, without a doubt. 
There really wasn't anything we could do as a church. You just had to fix it. Well, there's an inspection coming on your building. My building, there's an inspection coming on my life and your life. But it's not by a human inspector. The inspector is God himself. He will inspect our works. Notice with me in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and verse number 13, every man's work shall be made manifest. It's going to be obvious. It's going to be evident. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try or the fire shall test every man's work of what sort it is. So God's not judging based upon size. He's not basing on how much you got. He's basing on the quality of what you have, of what sort or what manner it is. Remember, we talked about the materials, wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. Which of those materials do you think are going to make it through the fire? The gold, the silver, and the precious stone. And when they go through the fire, they're actually purified. They come out better. But the wood, hay, and stubble, when those go through the fire, when those go through the inspection, when those go through the judgment, those will be burned up. You say, Pastor, what am I going to do? Does that mean that my works are burned up? And does that mean that I can't go to heaven? No, that's not what it means because you don't go to heaven because of your works. So you're certainly not going to hell because of your works. You're going to heaven because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he's the only way to get to heaven. But this verse says in verse number uh, 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. So here's what the inspection reveals. The inspection reveals if your works were done for Christ with the right motives and if your works were done for Christ of things that were righteous and godly and pure, the gold, silver, precious stone, you're going to be okay. But the wood, hay, and the stubble, the Bible says those works will be burned up and you will suffer loss. So what's, what does it mean to suffer loss? It means you will suffer the loss of a reward. You'll still be saved. Praise God. I thank the Lord that we're saved by the blood of Jesus and it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. But can I tell you, you'll stand before the judgment seat and you'll not have anything to show. You'll not have the crowns that the Bible talks about. You'll not have, Brother Brendan, as you talked about in Sunday school, you'll not have uh, that, uh, that, that gold medal, that, that spiritual prize that comes from following Christ and serving Christ. See, the inspection of the building is coming. and God is the one that does the inspection. You say, well, Pastor, I think I got pretty much everybody in here fooled. And they don't know what's going on in my heart and my life. And I've been, I've been putting on a good show. I've been putting on a good act. I think I'm okay. Well, there ain't no show. And there ain't no act when we get to heaven. Because God will not only see the outside, but he knows the heart. And here's lastly, the incentives for building. It's found in verse 8. It says, Every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. Verse 14 if any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. You say, well, pastor, what, what's the reward? What are we talking about? The Bible says when we stand before the judgment seat, we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant for those who have done well, for those who have been faithful, for those who have served. And the Bible says we will receive crowns for our service. You say, oh, I can't wait. 
Boy, I hope I get a real big shiny crown because I'm going to go all over heaven. I'm going to be showing that thing off. I'm going to be telling everybody, I'm going to be telling all my stories, you know, my war stories about how I got this crown. And boy, everybody's going to be so impressed. Well, not exactly. The Bible says in Revelation 4 that we will cast our crowns before the throne of God. And with those crowns, we will give glory and praise and honor to God. And we will say, thou art worthy, O Lord. Say, what's the incentive for building something for God? It's so that we can bring glory to Him. There's not a lot we can do for the Lord. He's done everything for us. But I'll tell you something we can do. We can be faithful. We can serve Him. We can obey Him. We can live for Him. We can take a stand. We can do what's right. We can build something for His honor and for His glory. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.